Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established as well as the uh, co-founder of Established Ventures and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast that you're listening to. Thanks for being here. In this episode, we're going to hear an Ask Me Anything session from our team uh, when they spoke with Max Briggs at our annual summit. For those of you unfamiliar, Max is actually the acting program executive at uh, NASA's iTech program, which focuses on com- uh, com- companies and dual- with dual use and spin-in technologies that are both viable for commercial markets as well as potentially for NASA use cases. Helps them out with some of their missions and whatnot. And so uh, NASA iTech has been an amazing partner over the last several years, and uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to feature Max today uh, because there's just been such a, a push to get into space in recent, recently. So we've seen things like um, you know, Elon Musk and SpaceX are doing some amazing work. They just got some big contracts to, to do a bunch of, of work with NASA as well as others. And uh, Richard Branson, he had his recent voyage on board the uh, Virgin Galactic. I think there was a, a Purdue uh, Boilermaker on that flight as well boiler up, as well as um, an exhilarating ride on the uh, Blue Origin, uh, which is Blue Origin sent a a, a ship to to space for about 11 minutes yesterday or the day before. And uh, Jeff Bezos was on board of that that flight. So that was pretty pretty interesting. Overall, it's a very exciting time right now for us humans as we continue to push push for the stars and and go out there and explore the universe, which is a pretty, pretty fascinating concept to think about even you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago to think that this is all being done um, you know, in the private market. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, all right, before we jump into the interview though, I wanted to share a segment with Rich Malloy uh, of event, uh, Established Ventures as well as Established with the VC Minute. He's gonna talk about risk versus uncertainty. Take it away, Rich. Hi, this is Rich Malloy with Established Ventures bringing you the VC Minute. Quick advice to help startup founders fundraise better. Let's talk about risk versus uncertainty. A startup told me the other day that an investor passed, saying the business was too risky for them. This founder was frustrated because isn't risk taking the very nature of venture capital? This is the difference between risk and uncertainty. Risk is making a decision where the potential outcomes can be reasonably estimated. Uncertainty is when the risks are unknown. So we invest in risky businesses, which means that we feel we have a good grasp on the odds of the different types of outcomes, including a zero return outcome. When we hit on uncertainty, that's when it becomes hard to get to a yes. Uncertainty is where we're unable to assess that risk. This is why investors have market or industry specializations. They've developed a better understanding of the risks involved so that there is less uncertainty for them in their specialty. For example, I've spent most of my time in B2B. And so when I see B2C businesses, I see a lot of uncertainty. Whereas a Lightspeed or Lara Hippo will have far less uncertainty because they have extensive direct-to-consumer experience. They can better assess these businesses based on known risks. VCs are very comfortable taking risks. But if they cannot assess the risks, then they are in the realm of uncertain and they're going to pass. 
As a founder fundraising, dig in on areas of uncertainty with potential investors. This risk versus uncertainty is my mental model, and other investors probably don't think about it like this. But ask investors directly, what are they most uncertain about with your business? Or ask them what they think is the most risky part. Try both. That's all for the VC Minute. Back to you, Frank. Thanks, Rich. I'm sure our listeners will find that information helpful, as always. Uh, and for those of you unfamiliar, our mission at Start of the Year with our community is to help startup founders along the startup journey. And that can come in a number of different forms and different ways. We've got um, some of our programs and resources that help educate and build um, new relationships and lasting relationships with, with different people. Um, things like our office hours and our, our growing Slack community, as well as our, our different various boot camps and events. And uh, there's also our, war- our awards. Every year we do our, our Startup of the Year awards and we name a Startup of the Year. And it's that time of the year again where we're going to be we're actually uh, calling out right now for any startups that are interested in being part of that program and uh, having a shot at being named Startup of the Year. I invite you all, all the startup founders out there that are listening to join um, you know, our growing startup community and pay, partake in our 2021 Startup of the Year Awards. The application is now open. So if you have a startup that's raised less than $5 million in funding, have a functional prototype and want to be named, want the opportunity to, to connect with a bunch of different different people at our, our annual summit, but also get the opportunity to be named Startup of the Year, you should apply today um, and become a part of this amazing and growing community of, of founders. Um, you can apply very simply by going to SOTY.link forward slash apply soty.link forward slash apply. The top 100 startups that apply this year, we get thousands of startups that apply. We'll take um, we'll take them all into our annual summit, which will come up in the at the end of the year. There'll be an opportunity to showcase, you know, potential, like I mentioned earlier, potential opportunity to win the title of start of the year, but also to connect. We do a number, like over the past, our last in-person summit, we did over 500 in-person office hour meetings, which is within the, like a, a day, which is pretty amazing. And it's a lot of fun as well. We'll be going to a new location this year and it'll be a lot of fun, I promise. Next, I also wanted to shine, shine a light on one of our uh, partners as well as a, a company we invested in recently that came through the program last year. And that company is Finmark. It's a financial planning software for startups for revenue forecasting and cash projections and kind of keeps you aware of your runway, which is super critical for any startup that's out there. So you want to give it a try and, and ditch the old... Uh, <laughs> Excel spreadsheet or Google Doc, you might want to uh, go to est.us forward slash Finmark, est.us forward slash Finmark. We'll give you a 30-day trial on us uh, just for checking it out. So est.us forward slash Finmark. Okay, now let's talk to Max Briggs about NASA, the NASA iTech program, and everything they're up to with space. And we'll jump right in. Max, you're somewhat new to your role with NASA iTech. What drew you to working on this program? Can you share just a little bit more about your background? Yeah. So like you said, uh, I I am a recovering engineer. Uh, I I spent probably uh, roughly 12-ish years, depending on how you want to count, uh, doing um, uh, electrical power systems for space, uh, nuclear power systems specifically. And then about four or five years ago, I I jumped into the the business side of the house, uh, which um, starting at what is now uh, NASA's Strategic Technology Partnerships Program, I uh, moved into SBIR. Uh, as you said, um, I was managing the aeronautics research mission director portfolio, but uh, more recently, what I had been tasked with doing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, work going on across uh, lots of the federal agencies right now and basically trying to answer the question, how can government stay competitive and stay relevant in an uh, innovation ecosystem where private dollars continue to outpace the dollars being spent by um, 
uh, by government. And so uh, essentially we want to, uh, we, we see a huge amount of investment and a huge amount of profit motivation for innovators to go and attack these large uh, total addressable markets, right? And, to, uh, and, and that's great, that's perfect. And that's one of the reasons that we have such a thriving and amazing uh, ecosystem uh, in the United States that, that supports entrepreneurs and startups. Uh, but the question uh, is, you know, if, if NASA continues to, uh, for example, in the SBIR program, continues to require 20-page uh, or 20-page proposals, or um, uh, or uh, make people read 400-page solicitations, if we have three years uh, from the point of uh, application to the end of a phase two contract, are we just losing a bunch of people that are just saying that's too slow, that's that's too much work for a low probability of success. How can we, how can we stay competitive in that environment? It's not competitive. We're not going to compete with VCs. They have more money than us. We're not going to compete with, with, uh, you know, it's not a competition. It's, it's trying to identify exactly what, uh, where you fit that you can have the best impact both for your agency, but also for, uh, the ecosystem at large. Like, um, you know, there are some companies that may not, uh, may have to, um, uh, get maybe risky, too risky for VCs to invest in now, maybe, or maybe they attack a, a, a total addressable market that's just not big enough to entice huge VC investment, right? So does NASA have a role to play in, in those spaces where uh, we, we make a company investable that was previously considered uninvestable and in so doing, uh, we advance our, our goal. So I was doing that for SBIR, and um, the the fact of the matter is that ITEC had a lot of those same objectives involved: lower the barrier to entry, uh, leverage private investment, and so those two things are, uh, I think, uh, are coming together in a more cohesive strategy for NASA. And I wanted to be part of kind of putting that strategy together. So, can you just hone in a little bit more for the um, for our guests on ITEC and the mission yes. around ITEC and how it fits in with that innovation strategy? Yeah, so so iTech really starts from uh, a place of uh, of what, what how can NASA be of benefit to entrepreneurs, right? Um, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's a pitch competition, uh, unlike um, unlike SBIR, it's it's uh, it's it doesn't have an award budget for it. So the the winners of of the iTech program aren't given a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar you know phase two SBIR. What what that program is doing is allowing it by not having an award associated with it. There's a lot more flexibility in terms of who can apply, how quickly you can get in, what, like, you know, you can give us a five page proposal and that's what you're evaluated on. We can evaluate almost, com you know, I don't want to say almost completely, but we can have, we can have uh, commercialization be a huge part of the scoring factor, right? So is this, yep. is this company going to survive long enough for us to spin their technology in? That's a huge question for us. And, uh, and, and iTech allows us to uh, have an influx of companies that are commercially viable and, uh, and uh, commercially sustainable. And um, the, the kind of what happens then is we try to bring together uh, kind of really good network melding of the minds kind of thing where we bring in uh, center chief technologists from, uh, from various centers. Uh, that are there to try to evaluate the technology, but also the NASA impact. How 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 viable is NASA as a as a customer of this technology? Early when early stage customer is it going to have to boil a little bit and mature a little bit, and then we on ramp it later, kind of create a NASA strategy for onboarding something. But also, uh, it's not just NASA. A lot of what iTech offers is a forum for um, 
for venture capitalists, uh, investors of all kinds to come in uh, and not just, I mean, to certainly evaluate a company in terms of whether or not they, they would personally want to invest, but also to try to make connections and say, hey, you know, uh, my, my organization doesn't invest, but I know somebody who does, and they would be very interested if you first made this connection, which I can, you know, I can make for you, you know, if uh, trying to get early, early customers. Uh, identify plausible pivots, you know, things like that. And so it's a, uh, it's much more personal, I would say, than a lot of uh, government contracting is. There's, you, you know, you're usually you're face to face. You know, now we're obviously doing everything virtual, but um, uh, but it's still a lot of interpersonal reaction uh, interaction, and it's uh, a lot of Q and A. It's a lot of dialogue. Well, pursuing the government market is a huge personal passion for me when it comes to startups and how we develop that. And so my brain just went in five different directions hearing you talk about this. So is it accurate to to um, look at NASA iTech as an entry point for startups into working with NASA? I would say that there's there's two or three different kinds of companies that usually apply, apply to iTech. I would say that a lot of them are. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if you are... If you're sitting there and you're saying, "Hey, look, I don't, I, I, I don't want to do a 20-page SBIR proposal because I just don't, I don't know if I have a customer over there. I don't know if they're going to be interested in it." Uh, iTech gives you a very low barrier of entry option to talk to a chief technologist. I mean, most people that win a SBIR award don't get to talk to the a, a board of chief technologists, right? So you get access to people that you wouldn't usually get access to, and you can really start to vet. Is it worth it for me to go ahead and pursue other, you know, uh, 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 yeah. government contracts in terms of SBIRs and things like that? So, like um, customer for, discovery on steroids. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so you guys can go. So, so it, it, for some companies, it's it's your first foot in the door to NASA. iTech can be, but that's not that's that's not all iTech does. iTech has a lot of companies that come to it. Uh, and I would say that are not at all interested in SBIR as like the next step. Like a lot of companies would be um, are, are basically saying one of two things. They're either saying, um, I want to come, uh, I, I want I want to be able to to prove to people that my technology is good and relevant to to NASA so that I can go to a VC who's going to offer me 10 million over two years instead of, you know, 800,000 over three years, right? You know, so, so some people are basically using iTech I as uh, validation of their technology and their approach and their their potential NASA customer line uh, in order to try to leverage that in, in terms of uh, investment. Um, and then also, uh, you know, uh, some of those people are, are, are basically trying to get straight into programs of record to, to say, I don't, I don't want to mess around with early stage. I'm actually a little more advanced than that. What I want to do is I want to make the connection that's going to turn into a customer relationship. And so some people use it uh, as an on-ramp to, or uh, as a relationship building effort for stakeholders within NASA. I would love to just take a chance to um, dive more into, because you're uh, a, res a resident expert on SBIR, there's probably quite a few people in our audience who aren't familiar with that. Our team at Establish knows a lot about it because we've been working with that program with the Air Force really in yeah. depth and also with NASA. So um, the SBIR program is a program for of the SBAs. It focused specifically on the small business or startup um, community that all US-based companies, 51% US owned, right? What yeah. else should we know about the CIVR program and how that works? Uh, so, uh, so as I, I so for whatever reason, NASA calls it SBIR. We never refer to it as CIBR, but all other <laughs> government organizations call it call it CIBR. So I, I I'm not going to be able to beat that out of me right now. So, all um, good. but 
But SBIR uh, is a company or is a, is a program that has um, it's uh, it's a phased program. Phase ones uh, typically it varies by agency, but most of them are about 125k over six months. And uh, phase two, uh, if you get it, it would be a 750k over two years. That's the typical framework for it, um, and that is all non-dilutive funding, and which is really nice for for companies that are um, that for companies that are on that kind of timeline where. 750k over two years to get a prototype, uh, you know, to burn down risk in order to go into a, an investment phase where the technical risk has been is is done. It's a really good fit. Um, now the 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 when I the 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 point where we lose some of the commercialization focused companies is there are several companies who are just who will look at what NASA is asking for and say, okay, now that I see what you're asking for, I will change my entire plan. I will deviate it to go give NASA what they need. And that's fine. Uh, you know, we need we need companies that do that. But sometimes commercialization focused companies can say, well, hey, that's that's a pivot I'm not willing to make, right? And so so sometimes when you're seeking SBIR dollars, um, if if you're applying to an organization that has a highly prescriptive solicitation, sometimes you have to think about, hey, how much do I have to deviate my current technology in order to satisfy the NASA need or the DoD need versus this commercial need? Sometimes it's directly in line, and it's not a problem, and it's great. Sometimes you have to actually think about it and say, hey, look, if I'm going to put two years worth of effort into it, am I going to be going off course for two years? Or is that, is, is that actually going to really develop my technology in a way that's going to make me more commercially viable uh, in two years? And I will say from NASA's perspective, uh, you know, we are definitely looking at models. I, I said that I was looking at ways to lower the barrier to entry and speed up the pace. NASA has not implemented anything like that yet. Like we don't we don't have the, the quick, fast, AFWERC style, boom, 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 you know, uh, thing. But we are considering those models as options, and so um, I'm, you know, I, I don't want I, I want to encourage everybody that, you know, um, not not all SBIR is is kind of um, stereotypical SBIR. There 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 can and will be changes, but even the program as it is uh, is a great source of non-dilutive funding for your for your company, and it's a great great source of potential future uh, uh, customers, uh, early early adopters of your technology. Uh, and it's a great way to be involved in something that's going to be really cool. I mean, NASA does some of the most challenging technical things that you can possibly imagine. And so, uh, you know, being able to being able to to uh, you know to have a viable technology that goes to Europa to explore moons of Jupiter. I mean, that's you know, it's 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 an incredible thing to be able to to have accomplished um, and to be able to market. Quite honestly. Yeah, I want to make sure we get some of these audience questions in. And one of them really is about that moonshot. And, you know, yours is one of the few agencies where that's uh, literal. Um, yeah. What kind, what kinds of, what are you looking for? What kind of technology is it? Is it, you know, tech like satellites and rockets is a question or is it companies? What kind of companies are you looking at? Uh, so the um, so I would say that for what the, the NASA technology, the general, and that's a very, so NASA needs lots and lots of technologies, right? Um, I, I would argue that uh, rockets um, are, I mean, the, it's going to be very hard for a small business to displace rockets, uh, you know, like at, at full scale system level propulsion, mm-hmm. multi-stage. I mean, they, they, I mean, you know, SpaceX did it. I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not, it's not impossible, impossible, but uh, I mean, you can. It can be. Um, it can be tough, but we we solicit a ton of incredible stuff. I mean, high temperature materials, uh, advanced materials, uh, high power density batteries. I I I always try to stress that uh, the first A in NASA is aeronautics, right? Uh, sometimes people try to have a have a technology that's really viable for 
let's say, uh, high power density batteries uh, that for drones. And they say, oh, you could use this in space. And I say, well, that's great that we can use it in space, but we can also, like, we, all, we are also tasked with uh, advancing, uh, you know, uh, commercial aviation markets, including drone markets. That's part of what we, uh, what we do at NASA. So there's no need to try to weasel everything into a space application in, in order to make it relevant to NASA. If you're relevant to, to, uh, uh, to advanced vehicles for um, uh, urban air mobility or advanced air mobility or uh, unmanned aerial aircraft or aerial systems, that is completely NASA relevant. So I would say anything from technologies that are relevant to um, uh, data systems for uh, air traffic management, um, AI, autonomy, uh, to uh, systems for cryogenic pro, uh, storage of propellants or extracting resources from uh, from foreign or not foreign uh, uh, extraterrestrial you know bodies, right? Yeah. And um, you know all of that stuff is 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 there. I mean, we have solicitations like uh, the the SBIR solicitation is open right now, and if you look at it, it I mean, it, the, the variety of of technology asks in that program is absolutely incredible. I mean, there's 115 I think ish different technology areas. So it's highly likely that something you're, that you're, what you're working on will find a home somewhere in an, in the NASA portfolio, but it's, it's just a matter of how well aligned are you in order to make that happen. Yeah. That's incredible. How many, how many solicitations is that that's posted? Right uh, now? Well, the, it's one solicitation, but the, but the, we have subtopics and there's a hundred I think there's 115 separate subtopics. Okay. Uh, all independent technologies uh, for different applications. Uh, ranging from you know science mission director at deep space missions to uh, to moon to Mars to uh, you know drones here on Earth. What's the best way to find that information for the startups in our audience who are new to uh, that system? Yes, sbir.nasa.gov is is the place to go. Um, there are the, the most prominent links on that website take you directly into uh, the current open solicitation. So I would highly all uh, the one-on-ones that I've had. Uh, in, in this forum uh, for startup of the year, um, most of the companies I have talked to have uh, had something that would have been relevant to that solicitation. And uh, I also recommended that they apply to iTech as well. <laughs> so uh, oh, great. a lot of I was just going to say those are probably yeah. crossover um, yep. with a with iTech having a slightly um, a slightly more simplified application process. That's correct. Uh, I will say iTech, iTech just got done with its first its two major events. And so we haven't rebooted. Uh, we don't have a, an open application at, right now, but that will be coming in the in the coming months. So um, Great. there will be more opportunities. Well, I want to get to a couple more um, audience questions. One is from Adrian, who's uh, interested in learning more about the So just looking at the current rate of growth within the space exploration industry, at what points would you say we can start expecting the commercialization of asteroid mining? Uh, so um, I do not, I, I'm not gonna be able to answer that question in, in terms of 10 years from now or, or, or something like that. Um, I mean, uh, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I can tell you that, you know, the difference in launch costs from what it took to launch shuttle uh, to what it takes SpaceX to launch uh, people onto um, uh, to ISS right now uh, is it, it's incredible. All right, so it's it's come down. I, I believe in order of magnitude at least. I I, I don't want to please don't quote me on that or tell my boss if I misquoted. Okay. But uh, it's and don't get me wrong, shuttle and uh, uh, 
the, the shuttle did things that were very different from what spacecraft or the SpaceX capsules do. Um, and so it's not apples to apples. But the fact is, uh, launch costs are coming down, and and resource extraction is is all about launch costs. I mean, as of right now, you can go to an asteroid and you can mine whatever you want from that thing, and it's going to cost you more to get there and get back than it is to to dig the stuff out. But that's not always going to be the case, right? Uh, we're you know, we're going to we're going to keep on going, and 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 as as launches get cheaper and cheaper, you're going to open more and more opportunities, and whatever companies are are have kind of timed that right are going to be um, in the best space to make use of that. So. Uh, I do not. I'm not going to speculate on the exact timing of that, but you know, it's it's headed in the right direction. I guess, I guess that's all I can say. What are the security requirements, cyber or otherwise, for a company to work with NASA, and can non-USA companies work with NASA? So non-US companies can work with NASA, uh, not through the SBIR program. Um, the, the SBIR has 51% uh, US ownership uh, uh, restrictions. ITEC accepts uh, uh, or has traditionally accepted uh, foreign it, entities. It, it's it's gone in uh, that has gone in and out from time to time. But um, but uh, NASA has tons of international partnerships. I mean, um, I've I uh, there was oh, I, I don't know if anybody's familiar with David Rakoff. He's a Canadian writer uh, that that always uh, is very proud of his Canadian uh, heritage and, and refers to referred to the space shuttle as the uh, the Canadian arm with a NASA uh, booster attached to it or something like something along those lines. Oh, wow. uh, my, my point is that um, the International Space Station is a huge, uh, you know, international collaboration. The shuttle was a huge international collab collaboration. Uh, depending on what country you're from, uh, your company's from, different restrictions can apply, but um, uh, ITAR restrictions become complicated in, in certain situations. Uh, but uh, it is definitely possible for uh, foreign companies to interact with NASA either through low barrier to entry programs like ITEC or uh, through formal agreements that are actually funded, uh, depending on um, on which avenue you're going. So there's this element of the customer discovery, getting access to scientists at NASA and doing that product market fit. There's the opportunity with CIBR and being able to get uh, non-dilutive funding for ideas. What are some of the other sort of hidden benefits of working with an organization like NASA? And I'm thinking specifically around commercialization. Um, how do you support that in sort of the non-funded or award-based programs? So the, so kind of what, so uh, I mean, in terms of um, what advantages are there to working with NASA other than, you know, non-dilutive Funding or well, so I mean, I, I will say first of all, um, you know, the NASA brand is a powerful thing, uh, and uh, when when you are um, when you are given a NASA contract, or whether especially if you deliver on that contract and do something that you know is impressive, not just to uh, you know the the project that you happen to be working on, but is, is impressive to uh, you know uh, a community of just people reading space news, right? You know, you, you get a, you get an advantage there. Uh, you know, we do some of the most demanding things in the world or off the world too. So if we, um, if, if you can kind of succeed, it's like, if, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere kind of, kind of argument. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's powerful. And, uh, that does, um, uh, I, I believe that, um, some of the unfunded programs like iTech, uh, you know, uh, they, they benefit from that. You know, um, if, if, if there's a company that, that says I won uh, a pitch competition uh, 
judged by NASA chief technologists, you know, that that carries some amount of weight or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and quite frankly, you know, NASA, the the connections that you make, the relationships that you build while working with with NASA, it's not just the NASA engineer at the other end of the table. It's all the other people that 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 person works with, right? That person probably is working with primes that may be potential customers of yours, right? Um, Yes. Or, or you may be a target for an acquisition that you didn't know that you were a target for, right? So, um, there's there's a, a lot of relationship building that, that once you get your foot in the door, you get you get access to uh, just by you know the nature of of working with um, SMEs that are embedded in the field. Well, you'll be glad to know that the audience um, participants are already sharing the information about how to join the NASA ecosystem and that the, uh, are, are sharing with one another that solicitations will likely open again soon. So sending people to that, um, to the nasaitech.org website. But I'm curious in just the four or so minutes that we have remaining, uh, what else should the startup of the year community know about the opportunities to work with NASA? What, what haven't we covered yet? Well, um, I'll give you one SBIR related thing is is uh, if if you win an SBIR with any governmental organization, uh, that SBIR, you, you have phase three rights with any other governmental organization. So if you got awarded a phase one SBIR through AFWorks, uh, who's giving away a lot of them now, and you think it's NASA relevant, you can come to us and say, hey, look, do you think you can use this? And, and we can and, and phase three SBIRs are non-competed contracts uh, and which offer the government and the, the provider a lot of advantages. Uh, so I guess one of my, and, and it goes the other way around too. So um, one of my one of my kind of uh, secret benefits that not a lot of people know about about working with NASA or working with the government period is the transferability of a lot of the, uh, the technology. So, uh, you know, don't, don't, sh- don't artificially constrict your potential customer base. What advice would you give to startups who are really interested in you know, breaking into the government market, whether, I, of course, from you specific to NASA, but it seems like you had a, have a pretty broad purview into what it might be like with other agencies as well. Um, and I think, you know, particularly as we debunk that idea that if you're a health tech company that working with NASA isn't for you, what advice do you have? Yeah, well, I mean, well, so I guess one piece of advice I would have is exactly what you just said there is, is, you know, you don't, um, a lot of governmental organizations need an array of technologies that go well beyond what you think that they do traditionally, right? You, you might not think that you have, you might be a, a biotech company and you say, well, why does the Air Force need my, um, my health monitoring? Well, health monitoring of their pilots or, or naval uh, people in Navy, you know, ships that are off for long. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge market. You, you, you may not be aware uh, that, and, and I mean, health monitoring of astronauts is a big deal for NASA. You know, there's, there's a ton of, you know, we're not all rockets, right? Uh, we, we, we have a huge array of technologies that we need and, and spinning in technologies that are commercially relevant is a big part of what we need to do in order to stay um, on the cutting edge. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would, uh, I, I would, uh, I would really say also um, my other piece of advice would be to leverage the relationships to the best extent you possibly can. So, um, and some of that is out of your control. Sometimes you have a COR or a technical monitor on a contract sure. that is just kind of checking boxes and it's hard to break, but, but, in, in whatever capacity that you actually have a human being that is vested in your success, uh, you know, take advantage of that and use that to expand your network, not just within that, you know, SMEs, you know, 
kind of sphere. But, you know, uh, once you get your foot in the door, really try to make the most of it. Well, we have just one minute left. How can the audience find you or become part of NASA's iTech ecosystem? Like I said, they're already giving away <laughs> their uh, their hints, tips and tricks over in our chat, but uh, straight from you. So nasaitech.org uh, is uh, there's a there's a portal on there uh, for kind of how do you become part of the team and that includes if you're an investor and you want to judge if you want to be a part of the judging panel or the networking panels if you're a company uh, or if you're just somebody who wants to you know uh, be aware of of the kinds of technologies that NASA is seeking sometimes some of our iTech you know um, our requests can give you a kind of little uh, preview into into upcoming things that NASA uh, or the government are, are kind of uh, looking for. And so uh, if you just, no matter what role you have, if, I mean, if you're if you're co coming to an event like Startup of the Year, you know, uh, that kind of information is probably going to be relevant to, to you. So I encourage everybody yeah. to sign up. Thank you, Max. I'm always impressed listening uh, to you speak about such an interesting topic to me and, and one we really care a lot about. And I'm actually, you can't see me, but I'm wearing my NASA hat today in the honor of this podcast. <laughs> I'm a really big fan of everything that's going on. All right, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, you found something interesting, hopefully, and if you did, please share the conversation with somebody else you think could benefit from it. We believe in sharing and sharing is caring, so spread the love. And if you have a startup idea and you wanna get it going, today is the best day to start up, not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it out there, iterate, and uh, in doing so, I encourage you to join our growing community for access to support, expert advice, and resources you may need to elevate your startup. Simply go to SOTY.link forward slash apply. SOTY.link forward slash apply. We'd love to have you join us. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Thanks again for listening. Wishing you the best of luck in your future success, whether it be at space or whatever your venture entails. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.